Ruin My Childhood. This is Ruin My Childhood, the podcast where we decide if... Some things are better left in the past. (laughs) (laughs) This is Ruin My Childhood, where we decide if some things are better left in the past. Katrina said it exactly right. I'm Mike. And yet you still repeated it. I'm Kat. Yep. I just had to complete it because, you know, I failed. I did complete it. I, I had to complete it. But thank you. I really appreciate you ch- stepping in there, You're helping me welcome. out. You're welcome. You're the best. I am. So uh, we missed an episode. Uh, we we really intended on doing an episode on Mighty Ducks. Uh, to... I, I wouldn't say I missed it. No, I mean, we missed uploading an episode. And <laughs> we were supposed to do an episode on Mighty Ducks. We, we watched shirked it. our responsibilities. We watched the movie. We started recording. We had some technical difficulties. And we hated it. Oh, I didn't hate it. I hated it. So anyway, Katrina hated it. Her childhood ruined, although she wasn't a huge fan of it initially. I've never liked any sports movies, really. Uh, Except The Sandlot. I was a bigger fan of the second uh, Mighty Ducks movie. That's the one I actually saw in theaters. So uh, I liked the original one. It wasn't as good as I remembered it. It definitely had some pacing issues. And honestly, it just wasn't a very believable movie because the kids got too good too quickly. Actually, they weren't even that good, but they inexplicably won. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll maybe come back to the franchise next year when the Stanley Cups come around and do D2, the Mighty Ducks. We'll it see. It was a made-for-TV movie-level situation. Yeah, I agree. It really wasn't good. The second movie I, I have fond memories of, and I'd be really happy to go back and watch that one. But for now, we're going to say we're not going to upload that episode. We do apologize for people who may have been excited for that, but deal with it. I don't make any apologies for my choices. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, cat. Uh, yeah. What are we going to be covering on this episode? <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> it had Will Smith. Wild Wild West. There we go. You know, I spent many hours on the phone with doctors and my insurance today, so I'm just going to warn you all, my brain is fried. Eh, whatever. I couldn't remember my own address today. Honey, we don't, we're homeless. <laughs> Kind of feels that way. Uh, so anyway, we're covering uh, Wild Wild West. And uh, what do you remember about this movie? Oh, man. Um, I haven't seen this since I saw it in theaters. Really? I saw it with my next door neighbor, Robert. And we actually, you know, shelled out the money to go to the big theater in Morgan oh. Hill because we didn't have it at the theater in Gilroy. That's weird. I know, right? And um, there was a lot of hype for this movie. This was at kind of like Will Smith's peak, I think. Like right around his peak when anything that you put him in would sell. Right. And so there was a ton of advertising for this. I don't think anyone really knew what to expect from it, but we knew it was going to be a blockbuster. We knew it was going to be fun. We knew it was going to be a good time. And, you know, Latinos just kind of go to those kinds of movies. And it also was... Um, a re-team of the director of Men in Black and Will Smith. Oh, so, so right in that wave. Right. So this was, this was yeah, their next big thing. And it was, everyone thought for sure this was going to be a huge movie. Uh, now, it actually ended up not being that successful. Uh, it made its money overseas. And then it made a lot of money. They made some money on DVD release. But uh, I was reading somewhere that they think the main reason that this movie was semi-successful was this came out around the same time as American Pie and South Park, Bigger, Longer, Uncut. So a lot of theaters apparently reported a lot of underage kids buying tickets for this movie and then sneaking into one of those two movies. Wow. 
Yeah, I don't think I saw American Pie until it was out on DVD. And it was kind of like one of those things where you went to someone's house and you're like, oh, we're watching this. I've never actually seen American Pie. You're not missing much. I've, it I've is gathered that. absolute crap. I've seen clips and I've seen parts of it, but I've never seen it all the way through and I don't really care. It's um, Jason Biggs Jason and Biggs. Eugene Levy, and that's really all you need to know about it. Yep. Uh, <laughs> now, this movie I loved, so I don't think we actually got around to seeing it in theaters. We may have, but we definitely owned it on VHS. Uh, we owned most of the Will Smith movies, so we had, of course, Independence Day. We had Men in Black and this movie. And uh, this was the time frame when... You know, I was in fifth, sixth grade when this came out. I would get up and it only need need like 10, 15 minutes to get ready for school in the morning. So <laughs> I was actually watching Fresh Prince every Her morning. Gel before in your hands straight up. Yep. <laughs> uh, no, actually, this was even before I like spiked my hair. This was like when I saw like the boy's haircut, Aww. like the little boy's haircut, fifth grade. <laughs> but I would get up, you know, an hour before we'd have to leave for school. And I would watch Fresh Prince on Sunday. Like it was syndicated at this time. So I was a huge Will Smith fan i had both big willie style and millennium those were two of my first cds that i owned is that show still in syndication yeah dang you can still watch it i wonder how much of his wealth he's made from other films versus his syndication, syndication. probably a probably lot a lot but I, yeah i was it's a big on will tbs smith. right it's uh, i'm sure it's on any channel that does syndication stuff but i was a big will smith fan i i loved this movie when i saw it uh i had the sound uh, i didn't have the soundtrack but i had the album that had the big rap on it, uh, Wild Wild West with Drew Hill. Uh, I had the sunglasses. Burger King had like a tie-in, right. and you could get the sunglasses. And I had both uh, both sets of sunglasses from the movie. So and you know what's interesting about Will Smith and his career? It's like people kind of rag on him a little bit. Like, why do you have to go so big on making a point to not curse in your rapping? Why is it such a big deal? Why are you still talking about it? And yet, that's part of the reason he got to where he did yeah, that's a as big part quickly of it. as he did. Yeah. Because he is so marketable. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, like other than, of course, being a talented actor. Now, I, I don't really feel like his talent really came into play early in his career. For the most part, he was kind of just serving up the same character in different I mean, men, this movie arguably is Western Men in Black without aliens. It really is. Uh, he didn't really change things up until really I, Robot, I Am Legend, like mm-hmm. mid-2000s. And now we know him as you know, this great performer. And now he's kind of going back to this style, you know, what he did Men in Black 3. Some bread and butter. Yeah. But uh, I'm actually really excited to go and watch this movie. I loved it. I, I had it on VHS. I watched it all the time. My brother loved the movie. I remember loving it, but I I hardly remember anything about it. Like, I really couldn't tell you any I, plot points. I probably haven't watched this movie since middle school, high school. I remember something about Salma Hayek. I remember, um, you know, creepy dude in the wheelchair with the awesome facial hair. Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth Branagh. Uh, now, the thing about this movie is nowadays people look at this movie like it's awful. So I hear, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts, obviously, and a lot of people talk about how terrible this movie is. So what about it? Do they, they just say just it's like... a bad movie. Like they say the acting was bad. The story was bad. The special effects. It's known as a bad movie. So <laughs> really, I, I'm curious as to, you know, if it actually is one you know, is a bad movie or if this is still going to be entertaining. So I'm ready to watch it. But before we do that, we should probably read some comments from our listeners. I guess. <laughs> no, we love you guys' comments. Uh, so I got one from, and it kind of ties into something I said already, uh, Brandito the Bandito. I remember the collectible cups at Burger King. I don't remember cups. I remember sunglasses. Oh, I remember the sunglasses. Yeah, I had both sets. I think I had one of those sets. Um, 
Ronald Reyes Costa, Acosta, sorry, said, I remember a long and drawn out story by Kevin Smith about how producer John Peters wanted to include a giant spider in the final act of the Tim Burton Superman starring Nick Cage, which was being written by Smith at the time. Obviously, that film never got made, but Peters wound up producing Wild Wild West, which incorporated a giant spider, albeit a robotic one. Smiley yeah. face. So John Peters That's is a pretty cool. huge producer. Huge, huge producer. He produced everything that Warner Brothers and like DC did for like 20, 30 years. Dang. He's still producing movies. Like He is still credited as a producer on the some of the DC movies that are out now. Uh, he's obsessed with like giant spiders. I read that even when um, they went to reboot Superman again, before the Zack Snyder ones, they were going to have uh, J.J. Abrams was going to do one. And he pushed to have like a flying spider, God. giant spider or something like that. That sounds yeah. horrible. John Peters is obsessed with spiders. I don't know why. So he's an evil man. Yep. Uh, Nikki Britton said, I can see where it would be difficult for a man of your stature to keep in touch with even half the people you know. I remember that scene. They, it's like the big scene when Will Smith's character, James West, and Kenneth Branagh's character, I think his name is Lovelace meet and he's like half a man he doesn't have legs or anything like that and they just do all these weird puns like really racist puns on behalf of kenneth Branagh, and then just short person and half person comments for uh will smith julie m 1019 says song was my favorite part of the movie i love that song do you remember the song i do remember the song it got a lot of airtime uh the music it was on trl all the time i I don't know the words oh at least i know the the chorus i don't know the rest of it but i definitely remember the i remember the first verse so it's like any damsel that's in distress be out of that dress when she meet jim west oh wow yeah stop no the next part was like um watch your lip you don't want to see my hand where my hip be at with artemis from the start of this running the game james west remember the name or something like that yikes yikes that was great (laughs) <laughs> I, I think it's actually probably in the same key as the Men in Black song. Oh, it's probably. I mean, this was when he was still doing Formulaic. all of his big songs where <laughs> uh, they would take the beat from or the melody from another song and do that. So Wild Wild West it's did that. sampling. Yeah, but this is a little bit beyond sampling because sampling normally is just like a section of the song. Like he would literally sample the entire track and then just put new words over it <laughs> he did that with this song just the two of us and men in black i think it worked it did work <laughs> but let's go watch the movie all right let's break out before you get bum rushed at the wild, wild west when i roll into the wild, wild west when i stroll into the wild, wild west when i bounce into the wild, wild west it's going All right, we are back. We watched, I almost said Men in Black. We watched Wild Wild West. <laughs> watched Men in Black in Steampunk Universe. Yep. I forgot how steampunky this movie actually was. Me too, because steampunk wasn't really a thing back then. It was very fringe. And then it got really mainstream. Like, like 15 years later. <laughs> yeah, it, it did. It's kind of, you know, petered out a little bit. But like 10 years ago, steampunk was Was, was the rage. Supreme. There's a steampunk character version steampunk version of every character you can imagine yeah uh this movie is definitely weird uh, there there are a lot of things that i think are interesting in it there are a lot of things in it that don't really make sense uh salma hayek looked gross <laughs> disgusting uh but overall like i i enjoyed the movie um do you want to summarize it really quick not really i know you weren't gonna do it <laughs> uh so basically in a nutshell um like Katrina said this is kind of like a weird steampunk Wild West 
This is post-Civil War. But basically, James West, played by Will Smith, is looking for this guy named Bloodbath McGrath and Lovelace, who slaughtered like a bunch of villagers, including Will Smith's family. Uh, and he works for like the army. He's like an army ranger. And then there's a guy who, I don't remember what branch of the government he worked for, but Kevin Klein played uh, Artemis Gordon, who is also like a marshal of some sort, who's also an inventor, kind of renaissance man. And they both end up having to team together because Ulysses S. Grant tells them to figure out what the hell's going on, solve it. And that's that's pretty much it. They they fight steampunk inventor dudes. And, and yeah. And there's a giant robotic there's spider. There's a giant robotic spider at the end. <laughs> Um, one of the first things that happens in this is he's kind of chilling in a water. You see his balls. A water tower. <laughs> and as the scene is coming up, Mike is like, hey, hey, coming up when he stands up, you can see his nuts. <laughs> like, how do you remember that? I remember seeing that it the first time I saw the movie. 99? I, the was, first time I saw this movie, I saw it. And what every was time- the last time you watched this? Uh, so it came out in 99. Had it on VHS. Probably... I mean, we used to watch it all the time. It's like, been about 14 years since you've seen this movie. Probably. And still, Will Smith's nutsack was burned, burned into, into my your retinas. psyche. <laughs> Every time it came on, I'd point it out to my brother, like, you're going to see his balls. Oh, God. Uh-huh. You know, something else that um, is kind of like burned into my psyche in this film, hmm. how when they find that guy with his head cut off, uh-huh. He like rigs him up to a projector, projector and he's like, the last thing you saw is burned into his retinas. And for the longest time, I was like, that's stupid. That's not real science, it is Robert. Real. And then, <laughs> shut up. But yet, every time I would see a dead person with their eyes open, I'd be like, I wonder what's burned into their retinas. <laughs> so the thing is, this isn't the only movie they did that on. I think this is that it, they also do that in Minority Report, maybe. But there are other movies that they say that the last thing you see is burned onto your like corneas or something like that. Such garbage. Uh, it, it, to the point in, the, in this one, they're like, oh, the way you have, you to, actually, flip you the you have to flip around the image. Because we actually, when it gets to the brain, it's actually upside down and the brain has to flip it. So they have to flip it over to get it to work. Uh, I was actually really impressed with my recollection of this movie because as it was going, I was just finishing lines throughout yeah, the movie. There were a lot of things that I did remember as we were watching it, but. I, I don't know if I would be able to remember them in two weeks. I honestly forgot about like that buzzsaw scene in the middle of the movie where they're like chasing. I completely <laughs> forgot about that. And that's a huge chunk of the movie. Uh, what, what are some highlights for you? Because I've got a lot of stuff that I want to talk about with this movie. Um, McGrath. Bloodbath McGrath. That ear horn, dude. That was gross. That was That's cool something else that was kind of like burned into my mind. Yeah. I think every time I saw a gramophone for years, I just remembered him. Because she saw them all the time. Turn- I did. <laughs> <laughs> I remembered him turning his little ear horn and that wax pouring out of it in Kevin Klein's face. She had one of the old school phonographs that she had to like turn by hand. Those are cool. <laughs> okay, you know what? I studied music. You just don't understand. Okay. You don't have a proper appreciation for analog. Uh, what? <laughs> Old school analog. Okay. Uh, <laughs> That's as analog as you get. Yeah, Because right so. now you're not actually really getting pure analog. We have a turntable that requires a preamp because it's 100% analog. It's not digital at all. Really? Yeah. It has a preamp. Oh, that I thought, I have to put, no, I thought you were running it through your thing. I mean, it does ultimately go through the receiver, but it's an analog preamp that, that it goes into first. Yeah, but it's going through the receiver. Yeah, but that has an it's going through the analog input. Okay, it's all analog. Well, then I approve. Yeah, uh, 
You can edit that out. No, it's fine. No one gives a uh, shit. What's weird, I forgot that Kevin Klein played two roles in this movie. So he plays Artemis Gordon, who's like the partner guy. But he also plays Ulysses S. Grant. So this is actually the second movie that he played a character that looks like the president and is the president. Right. And so he did this and uh, Dave. So he pops up like as the president and then the president's decoy and then a really- As the actual president. A really ugly woman. <laughs> that I forgot about that little, that ugly, her dressing as the woman. Although I did remember vividly the scene in the train when he's in a, like he's talking about all of his different disguises and the gadgets he has. And he has like fake boobs and they're filled with buckwheat. And- <laughs> Uh, Jim West is like, what's buckwheat? Everyone knows you're supposed to fill them with, with vanilla what? pudding. What? Anyway. Then and now? No, I don't. Now I've then? never heard of What? I don't know what you're talking about. You're but anyway, out. they, Jim West empties them out buckwheat. Have you ever felt a woman's boob? And then he fills it with water and he's like, now touch my breasts. And everything. <laughs> there's this whole scene where they're fondling. That was a long scene. It was for a really that long gag. scene. <laughs> This movie was very sexual. It was. It's a very sexual you movie. You see Salma Hayek's perfect, beautiful, you see her butt. amazing butt. There, there's a bunch of oral jokes in this movie. There's, you know, you see Will They're Smith's straight up butt. in a brothel. They're in a brothel. Like there's, women half naked. There's a point where Kenneth Branagh's character is talking about how, because he's an inventor, he goes, you don't think that I could devise a mechanical way to pump and thrust? And then there's like this right? machine that is the thing that throws the buzz saws. And then it has like this big penis shaped spring coming off of it and then as he says thrust and give one a pleasure it starts thrusting i thought this was a family movie i thought so too especially coming off off of men in black right the same creative team behind it and it's 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 a pretty dirty movie it's throughout. not even like tongue-in-cheek it's no, just it's overtly perverted well and the thing about this movie is it, it actually went through some extensive reshoots was this pg-13 it was pg-13 Oh. Uh, but this went through some extensive reshoots. Someone because was slacking when they let Robert and I into the theater. You don't need to be over 13 to go into those movies. It's just a ra- it's rated R is where they require it. Got it. So PG-13, anybody can get into. Um, now, the thing that's weird about this movie is it didn't test very well initially because people couldn't tell if it was a comedy or not. They didn't know if they were supposed to laugh. Right. So they went through and did reshoots to add a lot more of that humor into the movie. Got it. And Kevin Klein ended up being pissed about that because he actually was after he signed on to the movie because i'm sure you know the, th- the three main stars probably signed on to this movie without even reading a script based off men in black being as big as it was you think and i i'm sure they did because ken apparently kevin klein used to complain all the time that he was too good for this movie oh wow will smith has apologized for this movie Aww. he showed it to his mom but like before it hit theaters apparently and his mom's like well you've definitely done better oh uh yeah, that's rough. Salma Hayek has said that she hated this movie. I think it's fun, but stu- I can I can totally understand why Salma Hayek hated it. She was just there to be a hot piece of ass. Yeah, she didn't do anything. I mean, she wasn't a good actress yet, so I don't really know what she was. Ex- she was there just to look super hot. Expecting at that point. I mean, that was kind of like the only thing she did in her career at that time. She in that she's and great Dogma. now. Yeah, she's great now. But back then, she was just one of those women who was there to be pretty. Right. And to make sexual jokes at her expense. Right. So are there any things that you want to highlight? Because I've got a few things that I've got written down that I didn't think really made sense. Um, Kenneth Branagh is perfect. He's great in, in this. He's perfect in everything he's ever done, is my personal opinion. But he is he steals this movie. I agree. And what's crazy is, so after watching this movie, when I was going through and looking up the trivia and stuff like that, 
a lot of people say that his accent was terrible and he was overacting and everything. Mm-hmm. He's definitely chewing the fat, but he's doing what like a southern like what's supposed to be this over the top southern caricature right. would be doing. I thought he was fantastic. The whole thing is supposed to be theatrical, and yeah. I think that might have been lost in a lot of people because this was before you were seeing like the really big over the top stuff hitting theaters. We didn't have Baz Luhrmann on the scene yet. Yeah. We didn't have like that crazy heightened reality for the most part what was big at this time was like we're getting a lot of weird euro trash films like run lola run we're getting requiem for a dream like that kind of stuff and yeah this definitely and i mean even men in black had a lot of over the overacting chewing the fat kind of but that was more sci-fi people i think people went into this not knowing what it's also based off of an existing property this is based off of a tv show oh which is not steam it was just like a straight western okay so I, I think more than anything, people were just confused. Probably. <laughs> but one of the things that I thought was weird is there's a scene where uh, another sexual thing, Bai Ling shows her, her butt in this movie. Yeah, it wasn't uh, that good of a butt, though. Right. Yeah, whatever. Um, but they go to this ball where Loveless is revealed. Like, everyone thinks he's dead, but he's revealed to be the main bad guy. It's not ac- actually Bloodbath McGrath. And they realize that Will Smith's character is there, Jim West. So they decide to draw him into this room. So he like follows by um, by Ling into this room, and he sees like a reflection of this guy in her eye that's about to kill him. So there's this round room, and there's these giant portraits, like oil painting portraits of some kind. I don't know if it's actually oil painting, but all these portraits up on the walls hanging, and you see this guy move with a rifle, and he's going to go shoot Will Smith, right, mm-hmm. or Jim West. And he sees it in the eye, and then he goes and shoots, and all of a sudden he pulls his guns out, bah, 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 and you know, kills like five other people. So there was this room that had paintings all over it right. with men covered in paint to look like the paintings, <laughs> holding weapons and old time dressed even more old timey. So this is supposed to you know, these are supposed to be old timey portraits in that time. Why not just like have some guys in that room? shoot him as soon as he walks in right why do you, would you like, put all these people up in makeup and duck paint behind them? a sofa right i don't know have a peephole in the wall right any number of things would make more sense or yeah even having like maybe a hidden room behind one of the portraits <laughs> that they shoot through but going through and having six men covered from head to toe in paint to set this up how long were they sitting there when right. did they prep this how did they know he was going to show up i think if you're looking for this movie to make sense you're going to be sorely disappointed right but i'm just saying that <laughs> that made zero sense i did right. not understand that at you know all. what was weird about this film and i think oddly enough um a lot of things with a lot of like a huge cgi budget at this time the cg looks great like the cg the still looks holds great. up incredibly and yet somehow the green screen is shitting the bed. And I, I, don't I don't understand how that happens. The green screen and then the backdrops. They um there are a lot of scenes where you you can tell that something is a backdrop. It looks very two-dimensional. It's just not lit correctly. And I think part of that was because the lighting is different because they were going for this like really dramatic, um, really saturated, yellow-toned motif right and it just doesn't really work all the time the other- one thing i did like though visually it was what they did with the national gallery they did like a throwback of the national gallery where uh the capitol building is being built and that was pretty cool to right. see especially like if you've been to dc recently and walked around there it's it's fun to see stuff like that uh, to kind of go on your point of like the weird green screen composition towards the end of the movie they end up taking the spider 
because President Grant takes their train and they have this like decked out train that has like secret compartments that flip around and everything like that so they can hide under the train. So the president takes their train. So they end up taking the giant spider. But initially it's zoomed in on where you just kind of see their head and shoulders and they're just kind of bobbing up and down and it looks like they're riding horses. And then it zooms out there on the spider. But the mount that they're bobbing up and down doesn't match the movement of the spiders at all because the whole point is they want to make this joke that they're on horses. Right. But by the time you zoom out, it's like... Are they just bobbing up and down while they're standing on this horse? <laughs> they're dancing. <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, yeah. When you see that spider at the end of that fight scene where they, uh, they kill Arliss. Loveless. Loveless. Well, his name is Arliss Loveless. Right? Oh, is it? I don't know. Um, the spider's kind of like hanging off a cliff. You'd think they would be a little like, nope, I'm just going to leave that right there. Nope, they need they, to get it. They climbed up in that precariously teetering spider just to walk well, that's it out a, of there. Honey, that's a WMD right there. Yeah, that was the first time our nation heard weapons of mass destruction is this film. Uh, did they actually call it a weapon of mass he destruction? He called it a weapon of mass oh, destruction. I didn't know that. I was just He said funny. He, he's building weapons of mass destruction. I'm like, oh, okay. But, I, I'm not surprised at all that W was a fan of this movie. <laughs> Seems uh, right up his alley. So some of the other like blatantly sexual things in this movie, um, you know, they talked about, you, you mentioned they were in a brothel. Will Smith not knowing that, um, or James West not knowing that Artemis was the woman. He's like, oh, you're a big heavy girl. You probably get a lot of money. But then there's later on where they're talking about Salma Hayek and they're basically, oh, she's a distraction. We can't have her on the mission. And then... Artemis Gordon goes, she's a um, breath of fresh, fresh ass, breath, <laughs> breath of fresh, fresh air, air. <laughs> kind of thing like that. Uh, and stuff like that. Like it was just, I didn't even write down most of the stuff. I was surprised how sexual this movie was. Just, yeah. just like it was a very. So when we, when we first meet uh, Loveless, he makes his entrance that is absolutely amazing. He like pops up through the, oh, an exploding Lincoln. head, a giant Lincoln head. <laughs> Head. That straight up explodes with like red confetti everywhere. I loved his entrance. But immediately after that, we see his sex dungeon. Yeah. Because Salma Hayek's character is like in there in a cage. And that did not register in my 11-year-old mind no. at all. Not and at all. And now look at him like, that is straight up a well, sex dungeon right there. Just, yeah. Well, he <laughs> even says that he finds ways to pleasure women. He just needs to be propped up in such a way he can do it. Oh, God. Uh, and... Later on, there's a scene like even more. There, there's actually some like homoerotic jokes in the scene where they have like the magnetic coils around their necks that are getting and they're getting chased by the buzz saws. They eventually jump at the same time off of like a ravine, so the blades collide in midair. But now they have these magnetic things stuck on the, their heads, and they end up running into each other. And then they try to pull, and then Jim West ends up right on uh, his um, Artemis Gordon's crotch, so it looks like he's giving him oral. It's really over the top. <laughs> it, it is over the top. I r didn't remember that I mean, at all. This it was the end of the '90s. Like any comedy was going to have some cross-dressing and some homoerotic jokes. Right. I mean, this That's is just the way it went. This Although, is the same year as *The Spy Who Shagged Me*. We already had the first Austin Powers movie. So we see Kevin Klein in drag more than once in this film, and he makes a genuinely ugly woman. He actually was only in it the one time. Later on, you think it's him, but it actually wasn't him. It was just a redheaded big right. woman, and then he was actually dressed like in like like a Davy Crockett like costume. So he makes a genuinely ugly woman, whereas Will Smith 
he when he's dressed up, they co- they have to cover his lower face because honestly, he just kind of looks like Willow. Like he's pretty. He's pretty as a well, woman. That, and then when they take off that mask on the lower. Yeah, they've got a bunch of stubble on him. That's the only time in this movie where you see him with a bunch he's of stubble. He's pretty smooth most of the movie. Because they had to create this contrast to actually make him look more masculine. Because he's got like a weirdly feminine face. Or I guess androgynous face. When you really pay just attention. The top to, half. He's got a pretty face. Well, the thing that was that just made that scene even weirder. So I guess the overall, I mean, we really simplified the plot at the beginning of the movie. But the major real plot of the movie is loveless was a confederate captain he lost his legs 35 foot of intestine uh <laughs> a liver it, like he lost a bunch and shortly after <laughs> the ability to reproduce <laughs> yeah shortly after uh robert e lee and bloodbath mcgrath um surrendered and so he's pissed so he ends up killing the remainder of like the confederate army at one point right uh and then he signed uh an alliance with um, France, Britain, Spain, oh, uh, and Mexico. Right. He and just gives them back their land. He gives them basically. back their land, and he takes like the crappy parts. Like he takes Montana, Wyoming, the Dakotas. Right. Uh, but whatever. He takes that. But his whole plan is the you Dakotas. Know, uh, <laughs> so rude. What if we have people listening in the Dakotas? Oh well. Is there anyone in the Dakotas? There's nothing out there. <laughs> in North Dakota, it's Fargo North and Dakota. Bismarck. Oh yeah. And then South Dakota, you've got uh, Mount Rushmore. That's it. So anyway. He's got that, and so he has Grant. He's trying to force Grant to surrender, and then Will Smith shows up in drag, and he gets a lap dance in front of all the world leaders. <laughs> I mean, at I that time... I mean, he doesn't time, have a lap, but... You think any world leaders at the time are going to turn down a lap dance from what they perceive to be a black woman? That is right up there. You know alley. Jefferson when it turned oh down. Oh, my God. <laughs> So one of the other things that's weird about this movie and we haven't really touched on touched upon is um, all the gadgets. So we've talked about it being steampunk, but Gordon has all these like spring loaded contraptions. How he has, like, did he have hypno- money for all that? He's a government agent. Uh, still doesn't make any he sense. He might just have. He's a white man in the Wild West. He may own property. Have and you have money. seen the way federal employees dress? He might have money. So back then, a lot of people got into law. Oh, no, not really. A lot of times, law enforcement were poor people. He might have had money already because he's educated. He went to MIT and everything. So he probably already had money and funded a lot of his gadgets himself. But he had like hypno belt buckles. He had like spring loaded things. There's even points where he's known for having all these things. So when they go to get the magnet things off their head, he's like, where's your tool belt or your tool um pouch he goes oh i must have dropped it he goes what you don't have it on some spring-loaded contraption that shoots out your ass and they're like no that's the first place they would have looks i know from experience or something like that um so the gadgets are pretty cool he ends up inviting he invents a motorcycle and an airplane you know taking things from the wright brothers his motorcycle was terrifying it would not work completely badass it was cool i would love to see someone make that for oh it would not be stable no it it wouldn't but it's fun it was one of the bicycles that has like a 20 foot diameter front wheel and then like a six inch diameter back wheel right i mean that's obviously hyperbolic but you know what i mean (laughs) um yeah i mean this movie's fun but if you're looking at it from an is this appropriate standpoint or is oh, this PC not. standpoint, all of that goes out of the window. It's very typical and it's typical of 90s movies. One thing I do appreciate at the end is that Rita Escobar 
at the end, you find out she just kind of played them. Like, she used her sex appeal to her advantage because she's like, yeah, so Escobar isn't my father. He's my husband. Right. And the whole time she's flirting with both of them, like, oh, you're so smart. Oh, you're so courageous. Getting them to, like, work for her. But they also kind of feel like jerks at the end because they're like, eh, I mean, we were kind of hoping to get some. Yeah. They should feel like jerks. Yeah. (sighs) Unfortunately, in this entire cast for this movie... All of the women, she's the only one with any significant dialogue. Actually, I'm not really sure any of the other women characters really get that many lines other than the woman that... Violin gets a little bit. ...that Will Smith is naked with in the very first scene. So she gets some lines. Uh, Rita Escobar has some lines. The rest of them are basically like dressed up fembots. There's Amazonia, Munitia, Mrs. or Miss Lippenreader... And honestly, the one he's with in the water tower is just girl in water, water tower. tower. Yeah, like, that's so sad. They couldn't even given her a name. That drives me bananas. Like, when I'm given a script by someone for something that they're casting, and they don't even give the woman a damn name. Like, the men usually have names, and then the girl is just girl or yeah. wife. And I'm like, oh, for frick's sake, you can't even just call her Karen. Right. Like, Throw the girl but, like, and no, I, and I agree with you. The only the only argument I can have for it is a lot of the times, if they don't say the name in the movie, I can almost get it. But because I and I think it's gotten slightly better. You do see like Man in Subway on movies now. But like if for her, like because they didn't say her name, that's the most obvious identifier. Other than if you were to say black woman, because she was the only female person of color besides right. So, so and then the poor woman who. Um, What's Will Smith's character's name? Jim West. The poor woman who West mistakes for Gordon. Her character is Dora Lookalike. Does she even talk that entire time? No. She they l- dance with her. They drum on her breasts. She is the... She just goes, oh. Yeah, she just makes noises. Like, they couldn't even give her some lines? Nope. Come on. Yeah. that That is strange. Uh, and then also, like, that weird scene when loveless and jim west meet in person the first time you know they i I have it written down i don't know if i necessarily want to say all of it but just kind of like some of the highlights of this thing so dr arliss loveless says mr west how nice of you to join us tonight and add color to these monochromatic proceedings uh and then jim west says well when a fellow comes back from the dead i find that an occasion to stand up for to be accounted and then it just kind of goes on there they say a coon's age half that you know but then at least west like throws it back in his face you know when he presents him with his first costume option and he kind of slides into like the stereotypical slave talk yeah from old movies Uh, so yeah that would not fly in today's films and of course none of the stuff none of the ways that women were presented in this film would fly these days and so it it is kind of nice to see some contrast in how far we've come, unless you're Quentin Tarantino. You know, like we've made some progress. I think action movies are making progress. Action movies are making progress. The problem, like, the problem with Tarantino is he does do a lot of the weird, like, focus, like, foot fetish stuff. But every one of his <laughs> movies does have a strong female character. He's brilliant, but he's a little crazy. He is a little crazy, but it's like you look at, you know, obviously Uma Thurman in both Pulp Fiction and both uh, Kill Bill movies. Strong female leads. You have uh, a couple. Uh, Lucy Liu in that has a very prominent role, and she's not just a woman and it's She's, you know, got some uh, agency. You look at, uh, what is it called? Um, Inglorious Bastards, same thing. The French woman in that movie. She's doing stuff, so it's, 
you know, it has gotten better. But anyway, I just had a couple things I wanted to bring up. We're, uh-huh. we're almost in, so at the end of the movie, they invent an airplane to catch up to the mechanical spider, end up crashing the plane pretty much immediately into the spider. Right. <laughs> And How does the spider still walk after that? I don't know. Ridiculous. Well, I mean, this thing was super light. It was a bicycle with wings. I mean, everything about the mechanics of this was, right. was kind of ridiculous. Right. So they crash. For whatever reason, instead of just killing them, they hold G- Gordon. And then they open this trap door. So Will Smith falls to like a lower deck. And he fights these like mechanical guys. So there's a guy who has no hands that has knives come out. Mm-hmm. And he ends up fighting the guy, and you know the guy like waves his arms around and like swings around like swords. And then the guy with the metal head. Well, I'll get to that. So Will Smith, I actually did think this was funny. Will Smith uh, at one point gets a knife implanted in his shoe by Gordon, so he can kind of like stomp down, and then a knife shoots out. So the guy's like wah wah wah, swing the swords around, and then he just kind of like makes the knife come out of his foot, and he just shakes it left and right like the hokey pokey, <laughs> and he's just like, rrr, 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 which I thought was funny. And so he ends up fighting these guys. Um, he does like some puns. I think I wrote down some of these. Uh, so he says, no more Mr. Knife guy when he Aww. kills the guy with the knife hands. And then there's this guy who does Kung Fu and he's like, I learned that from a Chinaman and then just hits him in the face with a shovel. And was like, I just made that up. But then this like robot man shows up who has like a metal plate. You can see under his skin, like metal popping up in a couple other places. And he's hitting this guy in the face with a shovel like 10 times. Nothing seems to be going on. The guy picks him up, and he go he goes to throw Will Smith's character off the edge of the spider, and then inexplicably, you just see sparks flying out of his mouth. His eyes are glowing, his lips are glowing, and he just drops dead. Like clearly, they cut yeah, something. Yeah, that didn't make they, any sense. They didn't show any live wire or anything like that. They didn't show any electricity coursing through anything. Uh, I, I I I we rewound it to see, and like the pipes that he stand he stand between two pipes, and this is like steampunky and hydraulics, right. and there's a valve on there, so it's not electricity. So, like, do, how did that happen? I have what? no idea. It didn't make any and so sense. so I Googled this, and it's a huge... <laughs> nobody knows. So, <laughs> so some and people, it's bothered other people. So some people are like, oh, you know, there must be... He's, that Those two pipes, he must have been... Must have had some sort of electricity go through. We didn't see any sparks or any arcs going through. So either they didn't finish the special effects on this. It's bad editing where they just didn't show something. But either way, it makes no sense. I think we should tweet at Barry and be like, Barry... We have a bone to pick with you. I think he's apologized for this movie as well. Oh, I think sad. everybody and I I think we're at the point where we can start to wrap it up. I think we've talked about it a lot. So this was written by a lot of people. Uh Peter S. Seaman, <laughs> Jeffrey Price, Brent Maddock, and SS Wilson all are credited with the screenplay. And then Jim Thomas and John Thomas. Like, are they brothers? Are they twins? And uh, none of these people have photos on IMDb. So, like... Well, they're writers. Nobody cares what a writer looks oh, like. Oh, Jesus. They're important, but nobody cares what they look like. <laughs> that, that's kind of true. Um, you know, these people are, like, still working a lot. Well, well, that guy did The Predator. That movie sucked. You're so mean. It really sucked. Aliens vs. Predator sucked. Can Mission to Mars sucked. Predators was good. Behind enemy lines, good. Mission to Mars sucks. I mean, he's working more than I am. Well, he's a writer. Anyway, <laughs> ruined your childhood? No. no. I think it was fun. Like, I it enjoyed didn't it. make sense. And there are certain things about it that are not good. But you kind of you have to approach it not really caring. You kind of yeah. have to approach it just wanting to be entertained. And it does that job. I 
I had a blast watching it. It like, was a lot. I went into it thinking it wasn't going to be good because I listened to so many podcasts that have said it's terrible. I didn't know what to expect. Like they covered this on How Did This Get Made. It was one of the first episodes of How Did This Get Made that I ever listened to back like six, seven years ago That's when that funny. podcast started. And I was going in this. I'm like, man, I really hope I like it. I thought it was going to be bad. I was laughing throughout the whole movie. I was finishing lines. I really enjoyed it. And then when the credits rolled and the song came on, I was singing. It's got some nice warm fuzzies from childhood. And, you know, the bar I set for most of these films is, is it entertaining? And if it's entertaining, it's doing its job as a movie. Like, that is what this medium is for. It's for entertaining. It's for taking you out of this world and putting you in another one. And this movie does that job. I agree. I agree. You have to suspend your disbelief. Absolutely. And not really care about why that android steampunk guy died. (laughs) Or why the metal blades blew up when they hit each other. (laughs) And not really care too much about women having any agency. No, this is the 90s. Women didn't matter back then. <laughs> Despite all those things. And in 2019, we're realizing they're starting not to matter again. Oh, yeah. Anyway, what are we going to cover next week? <laughs> I don't know. We are covering another film from similar era, Huck and Finn. JTT. JTT. We've already done a JTT movie. Just the one. Yeah, pretty recently, too. But we're going to be covering a JTT movie on Remake Rewind soon. He's so Lion King. dreamy. But yeah, we're going to cover Huck and Finn, summer starting, and you know, what's a what's a better summer movie than just, you know, two kids getting in hijinks? Uh, the Sandlot, but you know, whatever. We already covered that. I know. Jesus. <laughs> Katrina? Yeah? Where can our listeners find you? In bed. When you're not in bed, like let's say online? <laughs> All over the internet at Katrinaocity. Check out my YouTube channel. I'm Every- coming up on 215,000 subscribers. They can't all be wrong. They can statistically all be wrong, but let's pretend that they're not. Anyway, you can also check out the check out everything that's MDX Pods related at MDXPods.com, Twitter, Facebook. I would say Instagram, but it went down again for the second time in like three months. Those Russians. Those Russians. But yeah, check us out. Check out our other great podcast, Remake Rewind, and... If you want to support the show, you can support us on uh, Patreon at patreon.com slash mdxpods. Actually, a better way to support the show is to share these episodes. Yeah, do that too. Share them with people you love. If you're in LA, you know plenty of people with really long commutes. Just send them an episode you like. Big shout out to our buddy, Aiden. He literally shares uh, the content more than some of our hosts do. He's the best. Thanks, Aiden. (laughs) And uh, everybody else, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.